Hey, y'all. Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm your host, Hope Cook. I created this podcast to help women who have amazing careers on paper and yet something is missing. You're feeling out of alignment or directionless. Maybe you're no longer motivated or excited about how you spend your days. On top of all that, I'm guessing you feel guilty because you're not more grateful for your job. And maybe you even wonder how you can possibly keep going doing this for another 10, 15, or 20 years when you can barely make it through Wednesday. Let me tell you, I've been there. After 20 years with a rewarding career as a physician assistant, I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I felt pulled in a new direction, but didn't know what that was. A series of books and conversations led me to a life-changing decision to cut way back on my day job and become a life coach. My passion became helping other women figure out what it is they want to do and map out a path to get there. So listen weekly for tips and tools you can use to chart your own journey. Anxiety. I think we all have a component of anxiety right now, or at least 80% of us do, probably closer to 90%. I see anxiety showing up in my own life. I see it showing up in my kids' lives. I see it showing up with friends, with patients, and with clients that I life coach. And so we are going to tackle anxiety, what to do about it so that you can function better. Because let me tell you, that cortisol that your body releases, which is a stress hormone, when you're anxious, it is going to put a halt to everything you're trying to get done. It's going to put a halt to you making progress in your career, in your family life, your relationships, your weight loss. If you're trying to like change your body, it's going to put a halt to all of that. And I have personally dealt with anxiety for years, which I didn't even know was anxiety for the first, oh, three decades of my life. I knew I was sort of type A, but I did not have the word anxiety in my vocabulary to describe me until one day at marriage therapy when we were in our 30s and Claire, our marriage therapist, said um, something about, and hope your anxiety shows up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, my What? And this sounds laughable now because it's like, if you know me, of course, like I'm kind of high strong and um, I did not think it was anxiety. But anyway, now I do. Um, but I was like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? I don't have anxiety. And she and my husband both looked at me and they were like, is she serious? She doesn't know she has anxiety. Um so that came sort of as an eye opener. I've talked to my mom since then and she's like, well, yeah, I've talking about her. I've had anxiety for years. It's just part of me. Um, I see it with my daughter, especially. Wow. Um, so I wanted to talk about it because I talked to a lot of clients who mention anxiety and some of them want to get rid of it. Some of them aren't even aware that they have anxiety. Um, but it comes up and it comes up in dermatology. So I still work a couple of days a week in dermatology. 
And I will see all sorts of physical manifestations of anxiety and stress. I always tell patients, um, for a lot of you, your skin is going to be your barometer for your stress level. You know, your acne is going to flare up, your psoriasis, your eczema, your hydradenitis, like whatever skin condition it is, the stress hormones that are surging through your body, they're going to make it a lot worse. And I don't know that they cause it, but they are definitely going to exacerbate it. So I talk to a lot of PAs, a lot of healthcare professionals who are burned out or they're overwhelmed with their lives or they're simply stuck. Maybe their lives aren't overwhelming and they're not burned out, but they're like, I just don't know what to do. I don't necessarily love where I am in life right now, but I also don't know what else to do. And sometimes fear is the cause and fear and anxiety are like first cousins or maybe siblings. Um, but if anxiety is your big thing, if anxiety feels like it is constantly lurking behind you, like this big monster, then keep listening to today's podcast. All right. So let me pull up my notes here so that I don't get too off track. Um, I had a patient one time who was so anxious, it showed up in her um, picking. So we see that a lot where people just, they have these little ticks or these um, an anxious manifestations like they pick. They might bite their nails. They might pick at their acne bumps. This has been years ago and she picked at her head. She picked at her head so much that she had a hole this big, um, holding up my hands if you're listening to this on a podcast, and it was bigger than a deck of cards, like her her area on her scalp that had no hair and no skin, and it was just raw. I apologize if you're eating something right now, but she really, she was embarrassed. She wanted to stop, but she didn't know how, and she was super anxious. It affects your brain. You do not want to be doing what you're doing most of the time. So however your anxiety shows up, it may show up in um, hyper focus on one area of your life that you feel like you can control. Like it could be eating disorders. Like you feel like, okay, well, uh, everything else in my life is out of control, but I can focus on the number of calories I eat or Maybe it's a lack of control, so you end up, well, screw it, that kind of attitude, and you end up drinking too much or spending too much time on Amazon. That's like numbing out or Netflix. You're just completely not feeling your feelings because the anxiety feels too scary, too dangerous, too overwhelming, so you just numb out on other stuff. So it's very important to be aware of it. Um, now, I said for years, I knew that I was sort of high strong, type A. In my mind, though, these were like uh, good things. These were like, I'm a go-getter. You need something, you call Hope. She can get it done. Um, but here's what I see. Anxiety changes your life. It forever changes the course of your life. 
So if you imagine the metaphor of like you're on a journey, you are on a path, anxiety will lead you in one direction. And if you can work with your anxiety and have tools to help you with it, you will have the option to go a completely different path. So if you don't love where you are right now, then we need to work on your anxiety. Um, anxiety is not bad. So many of us like are like, I want to get rid of my anxiety. I want to get rid of my fear. But it's not bad. No emotion is, in fact, bad. It's a clue. It's just a clue about what's going on in our heads. Um, but as I said, if you don't, if it's left unchecked, anxiety can write out the story of our life. And none of us want that. I mean, we want to have agency in our lives, right? We don't want to give our lives over to this emotion and then look back one day and think, wow, I was a hot mess. I mean, a lot of us are hot messes, but now is the time to wake up and do something about it. You know, I don't know how old y'all are. I'm 45. I'll be 46 in December. And you start thinking, okay, my life is maybe half over if I'm lucky, um, if I live to be 90. And I really don't want fear and anxiety to determine how I spend the rest of my years. I only have a few years left with my kids at home. My son is about to be 16. And I think, do I really want to parent from a place of anxiety with your career? If you are not loving what you do all day, every day while you're at work, ask yourself why. Really start questioning these things. Um, and anxiety, just like fear, will rewire your brain. So we all have these pathways in our brain and they're stories. They're old stories that we've made up over time to explain why we feel the way we feel, why we were treated the way we were treated in childhood, um, all these things. And so you have this script in your brain. And whenever you get triggered, whenever you feel a, <gasps> or, oh, uh, your brain resorts back to those, reverts back to those stories. And if you can start catching yourself in the middle of these stories, it takes away a lot of the power. And then you can rewrite that script. You can reform new neural pathways in your brain. You really can. Um, but the first step is going to be to catch yourself thinking these anxious thoughts. So some of the most common ones I see would be, I'm going to mess up. I'm not good enough. Um, woe is me type thoughts. You know, I'm a victim. And we don't think of it like that when we're thinking it. We always blame other people or we think, you know, here we go again. Something's wrong with them. So start paying attention to those stories. Um, I was, I found my journal from the eighth grade. I'm going to pull it out right here. And y'all, this was so funny slash sad. Um, here's a page. You can see my lovely cursive. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, I was so anxious about my grades. I was clearly not living my best life in the eighth grade. I was so worried about what people thought of me. And I was so anxious about getting not just A's, 
high A's, like hundreds, 99s, 98s, did not even want a 97. And so I'm reading this out loud to my daughter and we are just cracking up because the eighth grade me was clearly a hot mess of anxiety and I didn't even know it. And then that, of course, played into high school and then PA school and then my first I don't know, five years of being a PA, just this anxiety that crushed me. Um, so part of what anxiety does, it makes you not feel safe. So think about that. Like if you felt completely safe in your world, if you felt safe in your career with your friends, there's not going to be anxiety like that. I mean, yeah, there may be a little bit of worry, but it's not going to be that deep anxiety. Um, so think about early humans. So back in the days when there were woolly mammoths or saber-toothed tigers, if a, if a human decided to change, let's say they decided to move to a new cave, it would behoove them to not feel safe because then they're going to be on edge. They're going to be like more alert, looking out for danger. Um, and that's how they stayed alive. So maybe back in the caveman days, like anxiety sort of kept you alive um, when you were at risk or when you were thinking about making a change. Um, and they didn't just power through it. I mean, they would pay attention to this anxiety and use it as a clue. So that's what I want you to think about is like this anxiety is a clue that you don't feel safe in your current environment. So what is this anxiety trying to tell you? So sometimes I'll ask clients that and I'll ask them to describe anxiety, like where is it showing up in your body and does it have a message for you? Is it, how is it trying to help you? And that automatically puts a different spin on it, because if you think that fear or anxiety is here and it's trying to help you in some way, it sort of takes away the boogeyman aspect of it. It makes it less scary. And then you can even maybe start to think of it as sort of like this helper part inside of you. Um, I'll also ask, like, what is your anxiety worried about? And when you're anxious, your body will have ways of showing it. So picture yourself back in the caveman days and you're having this feeling of fear and anxiety and you're not really sure what's going on. So if I were living back then and I were asking you, like, what are you worried about? You might say, well, you know, I just noticed some tracks by the river and I think that maybe there's a predator that keeps like stalking me and lurking. And maybe, you know, if I don't watch out, maybe it's going to try to kill me and eat me and stuff. Um, and your body is going to think the same thing, like, oh, there's a predator. So your body is going to keep you in this fight or flight mode. Your body is going to not slow down enough for you to start having babies or reproduce because it thinks there's a predator hanging out by the river. It may also not let you poop, which sounds crazy, but you people who are dealing with this chronic anxiety 
or even short-term anxiety, your body is not going to let you slow down to have a nice, relaxing bowel movement. <laughs> hey, I work in medicine. I can talk about poop. Um, and so when I see patients who are really anxious, sometimes I'll start talking to them. How are you sleeping? You know, how how's your gut? Like, how are your, um, how's your GI tract? You know, and they're going to have all these physical manifestations. They're not going to have regular poops. They're not going to be sleeping because their bodies think that they have a predator or that they need to be ready to like sprint and get away. I mean, this is your lizard brain. We all have it. And our lizard brain is like, it's not super bright, but it does want us to survive. So it's geared 100% towards keeping you alive. The problem with today is that we are not in danger 99% of the time. We're not truly about to be killed, but our bodies don't know that. We pull into the parking lot at work and our bodies go into this like <clears throat> clamp down mode. Um, our bodies are like, I need to eat more because who knows when I'll eat again. Maybe this you know, maybe there's danger and like, what if I have to start running from a dinosaur or maybe your body's the opposite and your appetite completely goes kaplunk because you might literally have to sprint later today. Um, you can't lose weight when your body is in this anxious fight or flight state. Your body thinks it needs to hold on to fat because who knows when you're going to eat again. I mean, you can't be like gathering fruits and berries if your body thinks you're in danger. So it's not going to allow you to lose weight either. Um, it doesn't know that it's safe to use that valuable fat reserve. It thinks it needs to pack it on just in case. Um, you've heard that when people are super stressed, they have a hard time getting pregnant. That's also true. It's the same like reproduction is not is now is not the time to be mating and reproducing when your body is super anxious. So it's going to affect your love life. It's going to affect, you know, if you're trying to have kids. Um, so what do you do about it? I mean, what do you do about it? If you, if you are burned out and you're thinking like, I just need to find a way to quit my job. Well. Maybe the first thing you need to do is, is to start looking at this anxiety and see what you can do about it. Um, because your body's not going to let you get creative and like problem solve your career work situation while you're super anxious. Your body cannot access that right brain creativity because it's so busy in the left brain plotting out how the heck am I going to survive? Okay, so here's what you do. I've come up with some things, and these are not all my ideas, and I'll try to give credit where credit is due. So microdosing, not drugs, creativity. So you microdose creativity. This came from uh, Martha Beck, the lady who did my life coach training. And she is an artist. She's a writer. Um, but she talks about throwing in these tiny little doses of creativity in your day. And the reason for this, this automatically shifts you over to that right brain way of thinking, which is your creative part of your brain. It's not the spreadsheet, the pro and con list. It's, it's not that part of the brain. That's the left. 
And so, as I said earlier, your brain, when you're in fight or flight, is not going to be able to like start this huge creative project. You don't need to remodel your house when you're feeling super anxious. Um, but what you can do is what I did at the silent retreat this past weekend. I found a pack of um, colored pencils and one of those like adult coloring journals with all the details and all the tiny little pictures. And I just started coloring and it is a game changer. I am telling you what, if you're having a bad day or you spend your lunch breaks feeling like you want to vomit with anxiety, get one of those adult coloring books. Um, or like my daughter's really creative. So sometimes she has like a bracelet making kit. And even though I don't really care about bracelets, I don't really want to wear bracelets. I will sometimes help her do the beading. And that's just like a tiny little dose of creativity that really helps put me in the right mindset. Um, doodling. If you're like, I don't have time to go to Hobby Lobby and buy all this stuff, just doodle. Um, or take some pictures with your phone, like find some beautiful things in nature and start taking pictures. Um, second thing, talk to yourself. I'm a huge fan of talking to myself, especially when I'm walking. There's something about walking and talking. Um, I will tell myself stuff like, it is okay. It is okay. I know you're freaking out, but you are safe. Take a deep breath. Like I will coach myself and tell myself to take a deep breath. When you take a nice, slow exhale, as slow as you can, that puts your body in parasympathetic nervous system mode, which is the opposite of fight or flight. Because when you're running from a predator, you cannot do that really slow exhale. Instead, you're like, <sighs> but when you're in fight or flight, you need to practice doing that slow exhale. I did this before I gave a speech in Boston on burnout. And I sat there before the speech and I would do four counts, inhale, eight counts, exhale. Four counts, inhale, pause, then do an exhale. Um, that's just a, another hack. Um, the other thing I'll do is recall times in the past where I've been anxious and I ended up okay, which is 100% of the time. Like I didn't actually die, even though my body may think I did in the, that I was about to in the moment. So I recall past things that totally freaked me out in the same way. I'll ask clients, um, is this familiar from your past? Like, tell me another time when you felt this freaked out about something. Um, the guy who wrote Strength to Strength, excellent book. His name's Arthur Brooks. I heard him on a podcast and he teaches, I think at Harvard, but he said he'll have his students do a disaster journal where they write out um when they are thinking that their lives are in disaster mode, like they failed a test or they had a horrible job interview or whatever. So they, he has them write out what the disaster is. And then he has them go back. I think he said one month and six months later, and they write how they're feeling now. So they write how they feel in the moment. One month later, how do they feel about it? Six months later. I think you could even keep going with this and do like two years later, because in hindsight, you're going to see, 
oh gosh, I really thought that was the end of the world. Really thought it was the end of the world. I'll tell y'all a story. Um, I really did think this was the end of the world. So I accidentally sent an email about a job to, it wasn't my current employer, but it was, um, I was in a contract to work at this place. And this was a guy who was involved in the contract. And he had no idea I was looking at other jobs because I had a contract. And I was trying to send an email to my husband. Well, he was my boyfriend at the time. And I was asking, like, how does this sound? And it was basically like explaining to this other potential employer um, how I had a job, but, you know, I really wanted to get out of the contract. And I cannot believe I hit send and put this other guy's name, his email in. And back then you couldn't unsend it. So I, it took me like one, 1,000, two, 1,000. And then I was like, oh, S-H-I-T, I cannot believe I did that. I mean, what do you do? Like, I just went into complete freak out mode. Like I have ruined my current job. Um, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to, like, it was awful. But one month later, it honestly didn't matter. The guy sent me an email back and said, it looks good. Um, because my my first sentence was like, how does this look? Because I thought I was sending it to my boyfriend to read over it and see how it looked. And even six months later, it didn't matter. Two years later, it didn't matter. But in the moment, I thought it was like life or death. Um, so maybe keep a disaster journal. Number three, physical comforts. So when you are super anxious, you need to have this like toolbox of physical comforts. For my daughter, it is this gigantic kind of smelly pink blanket that she wraps herself in like a burrito. Um, for me, it's like I need a mug. I need water is very like soothing to me. So I'll either take a bath. I'll have like a warm mug that I'm holding. Um, something that's like the beach is super relaxing to me if I listen to ocean sounds. So have your sort of secret toolbox of physical comforts when you're anxious and you know you better than anybody else. So give yourself what you need. If it's a weighted blanket, if it's um, sitting in your car in the hot sunshine during lunch and just taking deep breaths or listening to um, like Oprah's voice, that low, slow, like motherly kind of voice. Um, number four, sleep. Are you sleeping? This is when your body does the rest and repair. So, you know, we talked about the parasympathetic nervous system when your body is like the opposite of fight or flight. That is when it happens, sleep mode. So if you're not, if you're only getting six hours of sleep, guess what? You are not getting enough sleep. Your body is not having time to rest and repair. If you have to take melatonin, I mean, it's not great to take it forever, but short term, is that what you need? Um, number five, nourish. So this is hard because a lot of us self-medicate when we're anxious. We, I eat sugar when I'm anxious. Um, cereal is one of my weaknesses when I'm anxious. And I know that's not like the worst food on the planet, but it's what I crave. 
So I pay attention to that when I like actually this morning, if we're being honest, I had a bowl of cereal after breakfast, I had a really nutritious breakfast. And then, um, you know, and I'm just now thinking about this, like, why was I anxious? It was really, um, one of my kids was freaking out about a test and they're yelling about how they're going to fail. They didn't have time to study. And I wanted that bowl of cereal and I ate it. And so even if you can't think about it in the moment, even if later you're like, well, crap, why did I eat that entire box of Oreos? Identify what it was, like kind of um, go backwards and think what was going on at that moment. And then if you're going through a really anxious time in your life, get that crap out of the house. Just get it out of the house because you know that's how you're going to want to medicate. Number six get it out of your head, get all this anxiety, all these thoughts that aren't serving you out of your head, whether it's seeing a therapist, a coach, or brain dumping in a journal, got to get it out of your head. And you're not even going to know what those thoughts are if you leave them in there. So you've got to get them out. You can take a journal, you can have an online journal if you're afraid somebody will read it. I have a private WordPress um, or what is it? It's a blog, but it's, I've just set the setting so that it's private and nobody can see it. And I just brain dump and God help me if my kids ever come across that, because it's all about like what I'm stressed about. (laughs) And yeah, I see a therapist regularly. I, I also get coached and that's something to be aware of. If whoever is coaching you or doing therapy with you is not getting it themselves, I would question that because we all have issues. All right. Number seven, notice your body. Your body, as I said in the beginning, is going to have physical manifestations of your anxiety. So notice, just do that little body scan where you're like, all right, I'm starting with the soles of my feet, my toes, the tops of my feet, my shins, and just sort of walk yourself through like a body scan and notice where you're holding on to all that tension and see if you can, as you take a deep breath, just release and, a, and an exhale, just see if you can release it. Um, number eight, work on rewiring your brain. So if those anxious thoughts are stuff like, I'm not good enough, I suck, um, I'm going to fail, you have to rewire that. You have to change the script. Now, this may take, and we can't do this in one little podcast episode, but we can do it through coaching. We can, there are books that'll help walk you through it. I'm sure YouTube videos but you've got to change that script. That is your choice and you have to do it. Number nine, watch the anxiety. So this is good for people who are visualizers. I can do this. Not everybody is able when I say, okay, well, let's, let's just focus on your anxiety completely. What does it look like? What do you mean? What does it look like? So I can say, oh, it's like today, it was a giant, like dark purple blob that felt like a balloon about to burst behind my eyes. (laughs) And so if you can visualize, like, what does your anxiety look like? Where is it? Um, What is it doing? 
you know, if you're like a small kid with a wild imagination and I gave you crayons and I said, draw your anxiety, like, what does it look like? You know, what, what would you, what would you come up with? Um, and the reason this is good is because it sort of diffuses it. Like you're not, it doesn't feel as powerful when you can describe it. It's not some hidden, scary monster. Um, and then if you're with a coach or if you're able to do this yourself, just watch it and like ask it questions. And I gave you some of those in the beginning, like what's going on with it? What's it worried about? What does it think like is the worst case thing that could possibly happen? Can you tell the anxiety why that is BS? Like, don't argue with it, but just say, you know what? That's not going to happen. Just like you would a little kid who's like, mom, I swear there's a monster under my bed and it's going to kill me tonight. Like you would speak with the kid and be like, all right, let me explain why that's not really going to happen. I understand you are terrified. You know, you think there's a monster under your bed, but let me explain how this is going to go down. And you might turn on the light. You might, you know, peek under the bed. You might put a flashlight next to the bed. So whatever it takes. Number 10, um, speak it out loud. Like just talking about it right now makes me feel better about the morning with the kids and um, just my anxiety. Like what was I worried about? Um, my kids failing and then falling apart emotionally and then dropping out of high school and then, uh, you know, ending up on the street. So <laughs> isn't that crazy? But yeah, if you talk about it, it just takes away some of the power. Um, I have shared this before. It's an it's called the ACT, A-C-T tool, and I'll do it really quick. You say three times out loud. I'm having the thought that, and then you say it. So this morning I would have said, I'm having the thought that um, when my kids are anxious about grades, it means I'm a bad mother. Maybe that was it. Um, and I say it three times. I'm having the thought that I'm a bad mother. I'm having the thought that I'm a bad mother. Then you say three times out loud, I notice I'm having the thought I'm a bad mother. I notice I'm having the thought I'm a bad mother. And by adding the words I notice in front of it, it sort of puts you in the seat of the observer. You're no longer the one who's getting crushed by the thought that you're a bad mother. Instead, you're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. I can step back and notice that. Um, one year from, this is number 11, one year from now, how do you hope your life looks different? And if you can honestly say, my life is amazing. I don't want to change one single thing. My mindset is amazing. I'm not anxious. Then you don't need to be listening to this podcast. So bye-bye. Um, but really, how do you hope your life looks different one year from now? Without figuring out how it would all work. So I don't want you to do that because that'll take you down a, another road of anxiety. But how would you like to see your life look different? What are you stressing and overwhelming yourself about? And then ask yourself what needs to change in order for you to have that life that you say you want to have? What needs to change? 
and you're not allowed to pin this on other people. So what about you and your thoughts up here need to change? Hmm, think about that. All right, so that's all I have for you today. If anxiety is an issue for somebody you love, send them this podcast. And um, if you want to do some coaching or see if we're a good fit, reach out. My email is hope.cook at gmail.com, or you can reach out on Instagram at coachhopecook.com. All right, I will catch y'all next week. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.